Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Just want to mention to you tonight, uh, 50-50 is in support of Autism Edmonton to deliver life-enhancing programs that ignite the power and potential of autistic individuals. You can purchase your tickets at edmontonoilers.com slash 50-50. With that, if you purchase $100 in 50-50 tickets, you'll receive a $25 casino bonus from Play Alberta and uh, $25 for your next uh, dinner at the Century Hospitality Group's restaurants. Again, that's edmontonorders.com slash 5050. Bob Stoffer and Brendan Escott with you. It is currently 134 in Edmonton. Royal Pizza, Pizza Pass, and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for over 50-plus years. They got 15 locations in the Edmonton area, four in Calgary, one in Red Deer. You can go online at royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. And a Stoffer recommendation at Royal Pizza's The Mediterranean Chicken. As we welcome back to the show from the cult of hockey in the Edmonton Journal, uh, David Staples. Hi, David. How are you? Great, Bob. How are you doing? Not bad. Uh, not bad. Nine and seven. We're roughly uh, about 19.5% through the Oilers' schedule. What's your assessment? Well, good on the attack, not so good on defense. They're scoring a lot of goals, but they're giving up a lot of goals. And, um, you know, clearly there's been issues uh, with Campbell and Nett. But I think just defensively, this is a really erratic team. Um, We've seen it for a long time now. Uh, We saw it last year in the playoffs against Los Angeles, where they were um, going down to an inferior team, and they finally cranked it up in Game 6 with their defensive play, and they kept it going through the rest of the playoffs. Um, They've been just inconsistent from the top of the lineup, from their very best players to their weakest players on the roster. They've had defensive issues. And some games, they, they get it together, and they look like a team that can challenge for the Stanley Cup. And other games, they're slow to um, they're slow to man, to, to man the uh, you know the, the the battle line on defense at the start of the game. Especially, they come out sleepwalking on defense. The other team scores a few goals, and then they finally get it going. So it's uh, it must be frustrating uh, for the coaches, maybe for the players themselves, uh, to try to figure this out. But it essentially comes down to defensive habits. They got to work on them. They got to commit to them. And when they do that, Bob, uh, again, they look like a, a team that can can win the Stanley Cup. When they don't, they look like a team that will struggle to make the playoffs. All right, off the top of your head, uh, and they've you know, they're 9-7 and seven through 16 games. Uh, you, uh, One of the things that the cult of hockey does is you assign uh, grade-A scoring chances. I would assert to you that the Oilers have probably had one of the five or six toughest schedules in the league to start the year in terms of quality of opponent. Um, through 16 games, are they in the plus or negative side of uh, that ledger? They're, they're, they're on the plus side. They're getting like one or two more grade-A shots per game than the opposition. So that's... So that, that 
tends to suggest that part of the issue is goaltending. When you're out getting more grade-A shots on the other team, you, their record might be a little bit better than it is, but not much. They're, they're doing very well at even strength in that category, not so well on special teams. They're kind of sawing it off. So their penalty kill was an area of defensive play where where it was most apparent that there was trouble. I mean, they seem to be getting it together a little bit recently. It's interesting putting Connor McDavid on the penalty kill. It seems to be working so far. Um, but that's, you know, they've just got to do a better job on the PK especially, but defensive play overall. Yeah, it, well, it's, uh, I mean, yeah, we still have you there, David. No, it's, yep. there, there's, it's interesting, right? I mean, I take a look. I, I Here's the thing. I know what the Corsi is, I know what the Fenwick is, but it's a little bit deceptive to me because the Oilers are a team that's more likely to try to pass the puck in Lynette than some other teams out there. Like, yep. look, New Jersey's cooking with oil. They are a way better team than they used to be. They're out shooting teams like 12 to 13 shots per game. The Oilers have a negative shot differential, which I hate seeing, okay? Um, and I just look to a guy like Dylan Holloway, the amount of times he's passed backwards instead of putting putt. Like, when he was going... The, you know, when we were in Penticton, David, I would say out of the, all the years I'd been there, that was the best a guy looked over the course of the three games, right? But everything he did was on the attack. He was putting pucks on the goal. He was attacking with speed. And he wasn't worrying about deferring and passing backwards. And from the moment that he turned the puck over in the first regular season game that led to the goal against Vancouver, it's like everything got knocked uh, you know, uh, off kilter form, and he is—he is, he is a, a like he has literally taken himself out of shot areas on the ice. And you know, you look at the game against Carolina, right? Breakaway early in the game, okay, he got hooked, but he didn't get a shot. Then he doesn't get a shot. I, I looked right at Cam and said he's going to deke, shoot the puck, kid. Goes to the deke, doesn't get a, even a shot on goal on the deke on the penalty shot. Then you know, against Florida, he's got a chance on a two-on-one, David. And the puck's rolling on bad ice, and he tries to force a pass backwards to Hyman instead of putting it on goal. So uh, I, I just, it's, it, it's not illegal to shoot the puck on the net, and I wonder sometimes if the orders are too deselective. What do you think? I uh, like I agree with you that they like their grade A shots uh, differential is in positive territory where their shots isn't. So that's obviously a signal of a team that is looking to pass the puck to get higher quality shots. And I'm not sure I, I'm okay with that strategy. I mean I think that can work. The 1980s Oilers certainly made it work. They were a team that didn't have a huge shot differential, but obviously had a huge goal differential on other teams. So this can work if you have a high skill team. I mean you you want players like. David and Drysaddle to hold the puck longer and not just throw it at net and and look for that great shot which they do and then they score. You know, in terms of their defensive play, like I agree, Holloway obviously has had troubles at the bottom end of the roster. Ryan Murray and Marcus Niemelainen have had their struggles, but I I don't think it's just the weak players. I mean, Leon Drysaddle's had defensive struggles, at the, especially at the start of the games. Sometimes his legs aren't working, and you know he's caught out not covering the guy in the slot. Connor McDavid's had a few struggles now and then. So it's I just think it's every single player on this team um, who needs to think about their defensive play and ratchet up their defensive play. And I'm sure, you know, Connor McDavid's referenced that himself when they beat so when they beat Tampa Bay. He said, I think we can we finally show we can play some defense. And they can. They, they can be an excellent defensive team, but they don't do it consistently, Bob. And, and, and until they do, and, and you, we all know this, until they do this, and I 100%. think they're realizing this, they're not going to be a team that can win the Stanley Cup. 
because they have great talent, but they don't have that kind of unbelievable offensive talent that can, that can take them well, all I, the way. They need to play button tight defense okay. before they can get to that level. I think, given the fact that they're sitting fourth in the league in goals, four and third in the league in the power play, had they had Kane and had, you know, I mean, they don't have Kane right now. Yeah. Yamamoto and Pogliarvi have been complete non-factors offensively all season. They have a combined total of one goal through the first 16 games of the year. If those guys had 10 instead of one, five each through 16 games, we'd be talking about a different team right now. Like, that's that. Uh, it, it's interesting. With, so they haven't generated the same amount of offense. That means they're chasing games and sometimes giving up empty net goals, and that skewers the defensive stats. It's interesting, David. The Oilers are 21st in league in save percentage at 896. LA's 29th. At 8.83. And you got Skinner and you got Campbell, and you know that the guys in Toronto are just salivating watching <laughs> Jack, uh, Jack Campbell start the year, don't you? Uh, uh, I wrote a post this week at the Cult of Hockey. There was a Toronto hockey blogger, hockey writer, who was kind of gloating that the Leafs had dodged the bullet not signing Jack Campbell. And I was. And I, and I was thinking, you know, if the shoe was on the other foot, I'd probably be thinking the same thing. Uh, you know, he's not obviously Jack Campbell's not off to a great start. On the other hand, Bob, if you go down the list of players who have left the Toronto Maple Leafs in the last few years and have thrived in other cities, oh, I've done that. It's, okay, Zach Hyman, Nazem Kadri, Cody Cece, Mason Marchman, Grundstrom in L.A., Trevor Moore, Mikheyev, Tyson Berry, Sean Dirtsey. L- Lubushkin and Frederick Anderson um, and I might have missed some I mean it's a long list and I know they couldn't keep all of them because of the salary cap they wanted to I, keep I Zach, they wanted to keep Zach Hyman like that was a guy they definitely wanted to keep there but you know this is a team that last year when they got knocked out of the playoffs complained well we don't have a lot of grit and we're missing that guy well, half the two thirds of the players that I just listed, almost all of them are really gritty hockey players. So you know, I wouldn't be gloating if I was in Toronto about you know they're a good team. They, they will challenge uh, it, in the playoffs to win a playoff series or two maybe this year. But I wouldn't be gloating about anything. And I certainly even Jack Campbell. I mean, it's not it's not looking great now. But come on, he's played well in the past. I think he's going to turn it around and, and uh, play some decent hockey. David, let's face it. I mean, had they not given Nylander six point nine million, they're paying three and a half for Kerfoot. That's ten point four. They would have been able to afford until this year, Kadri and Hyman. Yeah. There's there's the swing in terms of the character and the grit that they're missing. They would have been able to put. They made the decision on on Cadre, and they were ultimately wrong on Cadre. And in terms of and now, in fairness to the Leafs on Hyman, they wanted to keep Hyman, and it just worked out to Edmonton's advantage that they had a little bit more cap space. So there is that. I mean, it's an interesting situation with Campbell. I mean, Mike McKenna was brilliant in his evaluation of him, and in a really well written piece in Daily Faceoff. That you know. I thought it was uh, some outstanding stuff. Now, you mentioned Tyson Berry, and uh, it's been interesting, right? I, I was stoked when the Oilers signed, as you know, two years ago, and I got some pushback from some guys that know hockey. They don't work in it day-to-day, but they know how, oh, you're wrong on Barry. He's gonna, and he ended up leading the entire NHL defense in scoring in 2020-21. Uh, now, last year, as the season wore on, it looked like Bouchard was creeping into uh, taking over a bit of the power play. That has not come to fruition. Tyson Berry, after a little bit of a tough start, first couple games, I think he's played pretty well, David. What about you? What do the numbers say? 
Well, uh, well, his just in terms of his point production, like first eight games to the most recent eight games, he's doubled it. He's gone from I think four points in the first eight games to eight eight points a point a game in the last eight games. So his offensive games picked up. What's impressed me, Bob, is like that the first season at Edmonton, he was Tyson Berry, the kind of player I expected, really good on the attack, maybe and kind of iffy on defense. He came into his season last year saying he wanted to improve on defense, and he got off to an iffy start. And then I thought as the season went along, Tyson Berry started to make really good reads and decisions on defense. He had been prone to pinching at the blue line and getting caught on two-on-one breaks in his first season in Edmonton. He almost cut that out completely last year. And this year, he again got off to an iffy start on defense and on the attack. But he'd just been coming on like gangbusters in the last eight games. I mean, he's, he's looking like a defenseman um, who, after quite a lengthy time in the league, has, has decided he's going to play di- disciplined and smart defensive hockey and do whatever he can in that regard and he's doing it he's been impressive I mean last year in the applause with Kulak they thought that was a strong pairing and although he hasn't yet found um, the right partner yet this year I don't think um, necessarily um, he himself has stepped up and is playing solid two-way hockey not just on the attack but defensively which is impressive because he's not the biggest guy but I think he's getting it done yeah, um, you, you mentioned Kulak. That's a big part of it. Unfor- you know, Kulak's been paired with Bouchard, and whereas Barry's done pretty well here, I think we're all hoping that Bouchard can settle down a bit out there and get going. Uh, I, I actually think Evan Bouchard's been fine. Like I, I, I think that um, his his some games his passing of the puck has been at the level that he, like when he becomes a fully mature hockey player, he's going to be an incredible passer of the puck all the time. And we saw a stretch of about five or six games where he showed that, where he had a lot of confidence and was making great plays. And I and I also do think he has taken some strides defensively, um, just in terms of his positioning, not getting caught out. Um, he's had some bad moments in recent games. But overall, I've, I've been content with his play. Um, I just, you know, he will be taking over soon enough from Tyson Berry. Yep. Uh, that said, there's no, there's no rush when a player's in his contract year to put him on the power play necessarily. I mean, you're paying Berry at full, full value right now, and you got another year on his contract. Um, he's a he's a very good pick, probably as good a pick for Bouchard on the power play. So just yeah, and I know that the coaches don't think this way, but uh, fans and GMs might think this way. Like just put your veteran power play guy out there. Don't run up Bouchard's number with power play assists right now, because I don't think he would be in Jeff the end Jackson, that much better. Jeff Jackson, Dave Gagne won't like that. I can tell you that. <laughs> they probably don't, and they might even send a, a text message to the GM saying that. But if you are, and I don't, I don't think that it, it, the coach ever thinks about that. Although I don't know, but I just think if you have a, a player in a contract year, it, it, two players of kind of equal talent on the power play, one's got a long term, longer term deal, and one doesn't. Just send out that guy with a long term deal because you're paying for those power play points dearly at contract time. That's what player NHL players get paid for. So if Evan Bouchard just, you know, if he finishes with 40 points as opposed to 60 points, it's going to be a huge difference in his next contract. So something to think about. Great, David. How do people follow you? Uh, at the Cult of Hockey on Twitter. Good stuff. Thanks a lot, David. Thanks, Bob. Bye. It is 148 in Edmonton. Haji has texted us on the Ashley Fine Floors text line. And Haji says, hey, Bob, I think the Oilers will miss Kane more than everybody's expecting. 
Coach Woodcroft got a lot of credit for the Oilers' second-half success last year, but the Kane addition, which I admittedly was not the biggest fan of, says Aji, inserted some swagger into a top six who seemed to ride waves of confidence and non-confidence. Losing Evander Kane is not only about losing a proven top six score, but now the Oilers lack Kane's gamesmanship and a physical element that the Oilers' uh, forward group is void of. The organization does not have an internal replacement for Kane's scoring or his physical presence. Does this add? Uh, does this up the pressure on Ken Holland to make a trade? Being pragmatic, it'd be money in, money out trade. I'm uh, concerned that no trade will lead to a more impactful injury, and Kane's absence now requires more physicality from Nurse, and the trickle-down effect could really be detrimental to the team. That one comes to us from Haji. Again, you can text us 780-496-0063, and Brian says, Bob, Zach Hyman was a great saving. Like a great signing, like a Glenn Anderson. We'll take a quick timeout, wrap up orders now at this day in orders history when we return. The boys at Brent Ridge Ford have done such a great job selling their trucks and SUVs. They're in need of more. You can trade in your vehicle for an upgrade or sell it to them outright, whatever works best for you. Remember, the 2023 order bank is open for F-150s and SUVs as well. Go see Uncle Milt, Rich, Johnny, and the gang, the team at Brent Ridge Ford. They are your Ford truck authority on the Auto Mile in Wetaskiwin. A reminder, cars cost less in Wetaskiwin. All right, we're going to head off to this day in Oilers history for New West Travel again. In January, we got an Oilers now three-night road trip to Vegas. It's going to be a kicker. You get a chance to see the Oilers play the Golden Knights called the New West. Uh, you can reach out to New West Travel at newwesttravel.com. We are going to go back to this date in 2001. Brennan Escott, what happened? The Oilers getting multi-point games from Anson Carter and Josh Green as they do away with the Chicago Blackhawks 7-1 on home ice at Skyreach Center. Mike Comrie, George LaRock, Rem Murray, and Jochen Hacht all contributing multi-point efforts while Tommy Salo stopped 27 of 28 shots. I worked for the Chicago broadcast that night doing stats with uh, the legendary Pat Foley, who retired this past summer. They were not pleased with that performance. The Hawks went through a bit of a tough time back then. Maybe they're back in the tough time again. Tonight, Oilers and the Kings live from Roger play, uh, Roger's Place. The face-off show begins at 6 p.m. The puck drop is at 8. Reed Wilkins, uh, myself, Rob Brown, uh, Camlin's going to have to call Jack Michaels, and Brendan, all part of the Oilers radio network. Tomorrow... Frank Saravalli uh, from the Daily Faceoff for the Horses in Horse Racing, Alberta. A reminder that Standard Bid Racing is back every Friday and Saturday at Century Mile. We'll see you at the races. Up next, the Global News Weather Traffic Update with Kevin Robertson, followed by Rob Breckenridge from 2 to 3, then the 6.30 chat afternoons of Jay Lynn Nye. So long, everybody. Back at you around 6.30 tonight.